0: Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler, and I'm coming to you from the podcast studios at Condé Nast on Skype. Joining us today is Mark Elwood, who's a contributing editor and a podcast producer. Say hi, Mark. Hello. Oh, we do have sound. That's good. You are a little blurry. You are a little pixelated. Are you feeling pixelated? Maybe a little tired? I think that's the booze on your end.
1: "No, No, no, no. It's the
0: jet lag. What booze? Mark, where are you? In the world.
1: I'm in London. I'm actually sitting in my parents' house in London. So I've really, I've come back right to where it all started. You're getting so, in touch with I your bigger bigger like my... Gen Y millennial thing? It's boomerang? I, I, no, I think I'm getting in touch. I think I'm getting in touch with my inner Brit, which often sort of drifts. And I've had a kind of real hardcore British Reinduction this week which has been quite a heavy land my first person i interacted with said why are you smiling so much and i knew i was back in britain
2: when you said brit i definitely 100 percent thought you meant britney spears and i like, <laughs> thought we were going back to the chris crocker video and i yeah <laughs> you've been working too hard oh, well, we're eating too much but, candy yeah maybe. uh
0: so we also have here <laughs> as you've heard meredith carey and betsy blumenthal who are editors for traveler say hi Hello. What up? My name is Brad Rickman, and I think for the second week in a row, this is becoming a thing now. I want to start by just acknowledging the news of the day. There were three kind of momentous things that have happened in the last few days, and I think they're worth acknowledging. The first is our thoughts are with uh, friends and colleagues in Las Vegas, which is a really important city for us. Terrible events happening there. Um, We know that the city's going to pull through. But our thoughts are with you from Traveler. We do a lot of work with people in Las Vegas. We go there frequently ourselves. And so we're thinking about that. Also in the Condé Nast family, just to acknowledge the passing of Cy Newhouse, who was a legend who, I think it's fair to say, played the major role in building this company into what it is today, who was a brilliant magazine maker and cultural purveyor, I think is a good word. And so we're missing him a lot this week, and we're thinking about his legacy here a lot, which we all live every day. And then the last one's personal. Um, Yesterday, Tom Petty passed away. And not to put too fine a point on it, but I don't know that there's a finer composer. If if the road trip is a great American tradition, I don't know that there's a finer composer of soundtracks for the great American road trip than Mm -hmm. Tom Petty. And personally... I've spent a lot of time driving with Tom's music across the United States and other places. So we'll be missing him as well. So out of the zone of sadness and into the zone of usefulness, perhaps, maybe we can go. I think this week we're going to talk about how to choose a local guide. And I wanted to start by maybe taking a look at this notion of guide from a little bit of a distance, because it can mean many things. And so I thought one of the first things we could look at is, what are some of the things that that can mean? What are some of the different flavors of guide that people might want to think about when they're going on trips?
3: I think, Mark, you have been, I think, the quintessential like idea that everyone has of a tour or a travel guide. Do you want to talk about your experience?
1: I, I, I would say, when you picture the idea of a guide, I took Americans on art tours around Europe, and that was my college job, and it was an amazing college job, and it sort of started me on the road of travel that i've sort of traveled along i took people between hotels i showed them how to check in i made sure that whenever i traveled with southern ladies which i did a lot because i worked in (laughs) italy meredith this would be i had a lot of people from texas i always (laughs) had to stay in the lobby whenever they checked in because they would bring their hair tongs down the first night they were in rome because they plugged them in as the first thing they did in the room to fix their hair and they would always melt so you had to say the voltage is a little high. This is what caps are for, ladies. I would be I would,
3: I would be remiss to say that that has not actually happened to me. So, uh,
1: yeah, feel so, that okay. pain. <laughs> and I'm sure some listeners have done that, but that's, that was awesome. But, yes, I was taking people between cities and I was guiding them around places and taking care of everything. So not a day trip, but saying, what do you want to do in your free time? Where is dental? How do we walk around Uffizi? And that's what I did. So, yes, and the one thing I would say always, I have to get this in. If you see a guide carrying an umbrella or any other signal that requires Mm. them not to pay attention to you and instead requires you to track them, never hire them. One of the laziest gestures is to tell the people whom you are supposed to be taking care of That they have to watch you not the other way around and it is a real sign when I see guides I love Betsy's making such a face but we'll say when I see guides who are not doing day trips but who you may be joining a trip with and I see people be being waved at as if it's their job I just it breaks my heart because I was when I was trained I was told that was a real no-no
0: is the company that you worked for Mark still around
1: um i worked for aifs which was the american institute for foreign studies um it was the fancy alternative to ef so it tended to skew to adults and they were five-star hotels and what was lovely because these trips were very expensive sure i got to stay in amazing uh, hotels and hello to all the friends i still have hello jamie hello chris hello katie a lot of my kind of adult friends i met as a tour guide but Because they were more expensive, I did tend to travel with people who took them quite seriously in the best possible way. So they weren't people coming to Rome and going, I want to go to McDonald's, take a quick picture and go back to the hotel. They had spent $10,000 on a week and they wanted to see the best part of the Sistine Chapel. So I loved it, I, I nerded out, and I worked mostly in Italy because I speak Italian and that's sort of the weird language, but we operated across Europe. And America, I will say this, this is one of the things I would say, America, I learned that America tended traditionally to travel in quadrants, that the Northeast tended to go to Britain because it had a cultural connection. The Midwest tended to go to France because that was the classical first uh, experience in Europe. The West Coast would go to Spain because that there was often a language, a chance to practice lovely Spanish. And I worked with a lot of Southerners because they just loved the idea of history. So um, it was really what made me fall in love with the Deep South because I, I that helped me love America. So hello to everyone. If there's anyone listening who I took on those trips, thank you for bringing me to.
0: I mean, you make a really good point about the guide looking after the travelers. Um, but I also think, I've always thought of it from the other perspective, which is when I see those little clusters of people, I feel like there's laziness on the traveler's side as well because it feels like a very dialed in experience from everybody's perspective. Like, and I think this is part of what we're here to debunk, is that hiring a guide is not a way of shortcutting things, it's actually a way of going deeper into things. And I think that's kind of what you're pointing to or alluding to there. And so if what you're looking for is to skate through, only do the minimum, yeah, there's a version of this that you can do. And we're all familiar with that. We don't advocate for that here. We advocate for the other thing, which is the thing that you were doing, Mark, and that you were talking about.
1: I, I was going to say, Brad, what I think it is, I think it's the difference between, you know, a guidebook and an interactive guidebook. What I always felt I was was just a resource. So people would say to me, you know, I want to do X. And I'd be like, here's the best way to do that. Yeah, never going through that entrance. There used to be a great secret entrance to the Louvre that you could get into without a line. So I could take people there and say, guys, you can save an hour, just go through Richelieu because there's an entrance that no one uses. And that's what a guide can give to you. It can give you that really on the ground knowledge because I was sent to places that I'd worked in a lot and I knew how to get into the Uffizi without a line. And that's what I was helping with.
3: When I tend to think of this kind of in two separate buckets, you know, this podcast topic came out of someone tweeting at us to ask, you know, how to find a local guide on the ground, and I think the difference between finding a tour guide and a local guide is kind of what you're talking about. A tour guide is going to take you to all the landmarks. They're going to hit up all the things that you're just like going to check off. And I feel like a local guide, whether that be someone official like in an official capacity through someone like Mark or through, you know, your Airbnb host, or through an audio guide. Even I think like that is a, kind of a different kind of guide than a quote unquote tour guide. Having someone who knows what they're doing, like lives there, um, spends all their time, you know, being in that city in the first place, and like you know, really experiencing it and taking a bunch of people to places that aren't necessarily oh, like the they're, hits.
1: They're the Olivia Pope of travel. They're mm-hmm. fixers. So- yeah. Without sort of the murdering people with a chair. You your job is to Don't know spoil the right it. Don't, don't no I, spoilers.
2: I mean, I will say I've been on a lot of tours and I feel like I've had a lot of tours with people who are locals to that place and who've lived there and they refer to themselves as tour guides. So I guess I'm having a little trouble okay. seeing the distinction or the fact that there's no overlap between the two because I think you can have a tour guide who's an expert or a local. Like, I don't think you need to, I don't think a tour guide is exclusively like a janky, like I'm going to wave my red flag, whatever. Like, you know, plenty of tour guides do do that, but I don't think they're all bad. No, or, and I, you know. I love
1: you said that. I think the, I, I love the distinction that Meredith was bringing, but it's the same thing as traveler versus tourist, which is one of my late, my least favorite distinctions. Everyone's a tourist if you're visiting, ugh. you know, like, ugh. and it's, uh, but I, I think so what I, we maybe can yeah. <laughs> We can maybe come up with a a lexicon for it, but I know exactly what – Meredith, I think your point, Meredith, was there are people who can do the thinking for you Mm -hmm. and people who can pull strings for you. And the latter are the really, really useful ones, whatever you call them. So I, you're right, Betsy. I think we don't have a lexicon for it, but I think there's a distinction. I
2: think what's interesting, though, when you say like someone who can pull strings for you, there's so many tours now that are like cut-the-line tours that you have to... What does to, that like, mean?
0: Can you spell... Break that down sure. a little bit. Sure.
2: So a cut-the-line tour, like a skip-the-line tour, which I've done at an embarrassing number of places because I just don't like waiting in line, um, is basically when they coordinate... When you book a tour and your guide and the company coordinates ahead of time so that when you get there, you and your party, your group, can just skip the line of regular people who haven't booked it's like like in advance. Yeah, it's like VIP. Yeah, it's like a
3: VIP line. For example, like the Coliseum today yeah. just announced that they're going to open the upper level, but it's only going to be to, um, you know, groups of yeah. 25 or mm-hmm. more. They're pre-reserved. So, like, you know, that's to yeah. your benefit to book in a tour to go there totally. because again like you're not going to get that access otherwise yeah. unless you have 24 friends to go with you.
2: I mean listen, the thing about tours that's really nice is that you can get a really wonderful tour for a very fair price and you don't have to be with 25 or 40 people anymore. you know you can book a really nice tour for 5050 dollars $50, sometimes even less.
1: Betsy, what's been your best – you, you <laughs> as a consumer, you've been – what's been your best –
2: Drum roll, tool? guys.
1: No, no, Betsy, my... because you've experienced <laughs> it as a – I think it's very interesting because I've been more the provider than the participant yeah. and I'm curious what really stood out for you
2: it's so funny so there are a few things so this is my the third podcast on which I will be talking about Viator so if I don't get a lot of free tours on my next trip <laughs> like I will be really upset I will be sending this to Viator just as an FYI to you guys I'm not paid to do this take a step back again sure. and like
0: and tell us what, what Viator, Viator is. is
2: so Viator is a tour aggregator I believe they're owned by TripAdvisor, but they're a consumer-facing tour aggregator. And they basically, I'm not entirely sure how it started, but I know now they basically partner with um, tour companies on the ground. So like in Italy, they'll partner with a local tour company to offer those services to someone who's booking a tour, say who's visiting from the United States. So basically Viator acts as the middleman and you take that tour with the local tour guide, but you book it through Viator because it's a much easier interface to interact with and to understand. It's super intuitive. You want a tour of something really specific in Rome, you throw it in the search bar on Viator and you find it. So it's It's kind of
0: like Uber for local tours. Yes,
2: it is like Uber for local tours. Super easy to use. I actually don't think I've ever had. I've probably taken at least eight or nine Viator tours in my lifetime. um, And I don't think I've ever had a bad one. And what I find really funny is that when I was taking this trip to Italy in May and I was going by myself, I told a lot of people that I was going to be booking a lot of tours as a way to fill my time because I, like, hate being lonely. And they were like, you work at a travel magazine and you're booking tours? Like, it's, you know, you get the same attitude as when, like, you know, when you call someone a tourist or whatever. You get, like, you're booking a tour? You know, but I actually... To so what's Brad's, your response? like? I mean, to your earlier point, I think it's a really wonderful way to not necessarily, like, you know, take the easy way out. But you want someone who knows what they're talking about, who knows the history of a place, who knows how to get in and out quickly. You know, especially when you're traveling to a foreign country, like the last thing you want to do is waste your time standing in line and trying to figure out how to get tickets. And so this not only takes care of that for you, like they buy the tickets and everything in advance, but you also then get that second layer of information and accessibility and ability to ask questions that you wouldn't otherwise have. Like I am not the person, maybe it's because I'm a millennial, but I'm not the type of person to walk around with a, you know, a book, a guidebook anymore. I'm just not gonna do that. I didn't pay all of this money to come and be here with my nose in a book trying to figure out what's what. I would rather have someone engaging tell me what I'm looking at. Yeah, what you seeing.
0: will go and hear somebody yeah, basically absolutely. tell you the story of the, yeah, the place or definitely. whatever and be able to interact with that to Mark, like Mark's point earlier, it's an interactive guide. Like you can actually talk to them. Yeah. You can ask them questions. Yeah. Other people are going to ask questions that you might not have thought right. of. So it becomes a, there are some places that until recently you actually, like for Americans in Cuba, you know, up until
1: recently, you actually
0: couldn't go without doing mm-hmm. some version of that
1: experience. Um, and also can we just can we i love betsy's point i think we need to destigmatize this i think there is a perception that if you get a guide you're some podunk tourist (laughs) and you're new to this and like oh i've never done this no i've taken tours i've especially in sort of niches if i want an art tour or i want a specific real deep dive booking a tour doesn't make you somehow a sort of tourist it's it means you want to super engage with something. So, I, I want to sort of destigmatize the idea because I think there's a real wariness of not being independent. And a day when someone can give you a deep dive is amazing.
2: I will say that I, like, up until recently, I felt like a little self conscious about being in tour groups and like being the person who's following the person with like, the red flag or the weird hat and they're like, oh, everybody, like, come on, whatever. That was my indistinguishable, like, romantic language accent. Um, (laughs) Sorry, everybody, who I may have just offended. Um, You know, I used to feel weird about that, but I think people, especially tour guides, have gotten a lot savvier about giving tours. Like, they're not the people with the fanny packs anymore. Like, they just... You know, they have a little backpack and they can whip out like 40 documents for you and laminated photos to show you what you're looking at. You know, they've gotten really agile. Um, at like, you know, they know the shtick and I, what I really like is that I have either had local guides, like who, you know, people who grew up in Rome or who grew up in Florence or whatever, or when I was in Paris, I had a, a viator tour of the Eiffel tower by an American woman who was getting her PhD in art history in Paris. So in some cases it just, you know, you're really, I feel like you often really Hit it on the mark with who you're getting as a guide. I will say the only other thing is that I only book tours that have like five stars. I'm not, this is like for Airbnbs when we had that conversation. Like I'm not that bold person who will be the first to try. Something. Well, I was
0: going to ask you, does Viator
1: have uh, a a sort of user feedback and rating? Oh my system? god,
2: yeah, they okay. have. That's the only thing I, I ever look at.
1: May I make a suggestion yeah. about how you can tell whether a guide is any good? It's not in advance, but I will tell you any guide. Who never says, I don't know, is a bad guide. (laughs) It is the simplest test. Guides who really know their stuff are never afraid of saying, that's a great question. I'll look that up. I I have no idea. I love being stumped. Guides who answer everything are probably making it up. So wow. never trust someone who wow. doesn't. What if they're just really
0: good with the Google?
3: Yeah. The... Then they pull out their phones and you know they're
1: looking say, something up. They're, they don't I have, don't like, Google know. Glass. I've, never, <laughs> I've
2: actually never seen a tour guide, like, straight up look something up in the middle of a tour.
1: I would I'd... happily, when I worked in a tour, I would happily say, I don't know, but let me look in the book. This was before cell so phone. Let me look in the book or look it up.
3: That's my trick at restaurants is I ask what the waiter Waiter's favorite thing on the menu yeah. is. And if they say, oh, everything's good, I'm oh, like, you are that. a liar. <laughs> there is at least one thing on this menu thief. that you hate. Cool. And so that's, yeah, that's, it's a good <laughs> test.
2: Watch out, guys. Michelin (laughs) star Meredith, coming in hot.
0: So Viator does seem to be one of the biggest uh, of these players. Are there any other apps of that nature that people should check out? Just in addition to Viator, Not that
2: I have used personally, but I will seg to Meredith, who might be able to talk a little bit more about Airbnb experiences such as they are.
3: So they launched Experiences last year, and they launched in a couple of cities. I think there were like eight of them. And I think the thing with Experiences is... That we have yet to see, kind of how they play out for Airbnb, and this podcast is not for that. Sorry
0: to keep like remedializing everything, but what is experiences? (laughs) So,
3: you know, Airbnb is known for being a vacation rental company, and last year at their like big conference, they announced experiences, which are basically like local led tours, but they're pretty much anything, which is why they're called experiences and not tours. So, Mm -hmm. for example, in New York, where they just launched. Experiences like last week, I think. You can go to Staten Island um, and meet with a farmer who is also, you know, works with bees and learn about where New York's food, organic food comes from. You can go up to Soho and walk around with a Harlem photographer who's going to do Polaroids with you, which I think is kind of the most interesting one to me because I feel like you both get to experience New York through the eyes of someone who lives here. And kind of get souvenirs out of it. So a lot of these come with things. So you can go shopping. You can go on a murder mystery, a three-day murder mystery experience in Cape Town, which you know you're not with them for three days, but you go, you know, for a couple hours every day. Um, which I think is kind of an interesting benefit to this is that you can. You know, plan your whole trip and plan your mornings on your own but you might be able to go and meet with someone a couple hours a day to get a true experience of a city through their eyes um, you sign up they're really small groups you know 20 to you know 5 to 20 people and some of them are like one-offs you can go stargazing um, in California and you know I think that if you want to do something that isn't a tour yeah then this is the way to go. I think it's very different from going on a tour and following someone around. So this is a little more off the beaten path than Viator. This isn't so much like let me give you a
2: tour of this place as let me help you do something. Kind yes.
3: Of. And I mean they they do have tours. There was a woman I met last week who is a hedge fund manager during the week and then okay. runs tours of Chinatown restaurants. That's like my uh, that's like in, my dream
0: in life. Yeah, I saw one who uh, there was a woman who lived in uh, Saint Germain neighborhood in Paris, yeah. and she would just take you to various wine bars in Saint Germain.
3: Huh. Yeah, so and I think we if you do want- have to,
1: we do have to, we do have to give a shout out to our colleague Francina who did launch her own. Um, yes. her, her, her own urban tour of new york so, on the experience. I so bomb.
3: francina runs tours of uh washington heights so if you oh want to get god. like a food tour how did i not know this
2: yeah oh my um, god i'm not the worst colleague <laughs> literally the worst also shout out to arthur avenue food tours
3: yeah yeah <laughs> oh great italian food um Sorry. but franny go franny but yeah, so it's kind of a little different. It's got a mix of, you know, the traditional tour hop from place to place and true experiences. And I think that for me, having stayed in a lot of Airbnbs, sometimes my best local guide hasn't been official. It's been asking my Airbnb host, you know, what are your favorite restaurants? Where should I go? What are the places in the neighborhood I should be at? Like never um, talk
2: to my Airbnb <laughs> host. That's embarrassing. Um,
3: <laughs> no, but I think I've I've found that to be super useful because they are excited enough about their city, for the most part, to open up their home to people to stay in it and experience their city. And to be able to have a lot of these hosts kind of transition mm-hmm. into being their tour guides, Yeah, again, in like kind of a official, unofficial capacity because it's not necessarily a tour, but they are vetted by Airbnb, so they're not just randos. Yeah,
0: like what is the process by which Yeah, so you have to
3: pitch your idea to Airbnb. They send people to come, take your experience, and then approve it or not. But they have, I mean, they really have everything, um, but they are curated, you know, in the cities that they're in. So you're not going to be... You know, looking at a list of 200, 500 tours for you know San Francisco, you're going to be looking at like max 50 or 60.
0: And that's all there is, or that's just how many they make visible to you.
3: That's all there is. Okay. So Do they have just... limits
0: on that, or is that just because I the think service it's is new?
3: Just where it is now, and I think they are like they are taking time to make sure that these experiences, whether they be surfing lessons or tours in Nairobi, they're like a little more. Focused than yeah. just I'm going on this tour of my neighborhood and you're going to come along.
0: And have you done any of these? I have.
3: I did a perfume experience Ooh. when I was in LA, where you get to mix your own perfume. Um, they take you on like a it's like a scent tour of LA, Ooh. and then you get to mix your own perfume. It was really fun. Um, it was like four or five hours. We ended up in LA's Chinatown, and and it was really it was really fun. And then I know Catherine, who is another one of our colleagues, who's on the podcast every once in a while. She went on a tour of Harlem, which is her neighborhood, a couple months ago when they first launched uh, experiences in Harlem, and loved it. And I think that the kind of crazy thing about experiences is that there are so many that I want to go on yeah. as a New Yorker. I was just gonna that that I kind of make that. it. I personally would never like book a buy or tour. In New York, right? That's I would the not thing sit... I want to try. Yeah, I
2: want to try it. <laughs> no, I I seriously do not because I like love Viator so much, but because I'm interested about how they present, you know, my city quote right. unquote to tourists and how I would
1: view it if I were on this trip. I'm curious. I was gonna say you read my mind. I think there's something lovely about taking yeah being, being a, a tourist, tourist in your, your own. Oh, oh my
2: God, jinx, <laughs>
1: jinx. Uh, no, but I, I think the, those, you know, Francina's tour of, of Washington Heights and that sense of like the cigar and Dominican culture up there. I would love to get under the skin of that neighborhood in a city I love, but I, I don't have access to it except through someone like Francina. And I do think it's easy for us just to dial up a guide when we're traveling. And there's nothing when you talk about staycations, screw the hotel. Why don't you just book a tour of your own town to a neighborhood you've never heard of? through someone who's embedded there that's amazing and for 40 bucks 50 bucks what a crazy way to spend a Saturday
0: to me I can see pretty easily the path to saying like you're going to show me the farm experience that you were talking about you're going to take me to a farm but I mean I do have a question about sort of the quality control on all of these and for example food is one of the reasons that I travel it's one of the main things that I'm sort of concerned about and we tend to do a lot of research into that and I'm not sure that I would be comfortable sort of having somebody else that I didn't know say, I'm going to take you and show you the food scene on the Lower East Side, right? Like, so how do you guys in these contexts negotiate that, that sort of taste and preference profile, you know, graph that you have?
2: I mean, I've gone on a lot of food tours. It's probably at least 50% of what I've done. So I've done a tapas tour in Madrid and a wonderful, really wonderful
0: food tour in Rome. And And how did you sense check that you were getting, you know, that you weren't getting that tour from somebody who like...
2: So I think the first part of it is that I read the reviews before I did it, as I always do. And the second part of it is just, you know, having faith that they're going to take me to these places that are very typical of where I'm visiting, which is always kind of, like, what I target. So, like, if I, because I was in Spain, I was like, okay, I wanted a, a really good sampling of different tapa styles from all the different regions of Spain. Um, so that was the tour that I did. And then in in Rome, it was kind of like, I want to try a little of everything that they're well-known for, you know, the food in, in the Jewish neighborhood, you know, fried artichokes or pasta or, you know, Genovese cuisine, and it was all of those things, you know. So I think... When I'm booking a food tour, I really try to stick to things that the city is well known for. Like, I don't know that I would do, like, you know, Chinese food in Montana or something. I, You know, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I know that's a really, I really took
3: took that one out of nowhere. But I'm not going
2: to go for something crazy that's so far out of, you know, what I want to try in that area. I mean, I'm in that place for a reason. And I want to try what they're well known for. So I kind of try to stick to that. Um, I mean, what are you thinking of of specifically? Like, what do you think you wouldn't?
0: Well, I mean, just like, you know, take Spain and tapas. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of tapas restaurants in Madrid or Malaga or anywhere. And they're not all, I mean, at a certain level. I think different countries are different about this. We were talking about Tokyo and Japan. It's kind of hard to get bad sushi in in Tokyo. Yeah. But it is easy to get bad pasta in Italy. It is easy to get bad you know, I think if in.
2: you're booking this tour and you see that uh, like a that at least you know at least 150 other people have reviewed this tour and have said that the food was amazing, if a i hun- I'm not going to assume that 150 people are like from Podunk nowhere and don't know what good
0: pasta tastes
2: like. I Do was- you know
3: what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I will say, I know if, if you listen to Mark this podcast- Mark is pod- practicing
0: waiting to talk.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He's doing really well. If you listen to this podcast, you know Brad does a ton of research on his Airbnb hosts and the people who review them. Yeah, um, dude, So I'm I don't think PI that Brad. you would actually have as much of an issue because if you were looking at the reviewers and you were like, oh, you know, I would trust them to pick my house, um, then I feel like you would trust them. But I will say, you know, if you're looking and doing research on what, restaurants you're going to go to, usually you're taking advice from someone, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we'll go on our site and we'll write about a tastemaker, someone who we trust right. to be able to make those decisions, and they're people who live in the cities. And so I think that, you know, if you're looking at an experience or a tour and the guide is someone that you're like, if these, if this person had made suggestions to me on a website and I like read them and was super comfortable going to one of them, then I feel like I would feel comfortable saying, you know, I'll spend two hours with you going to Chinese restaurants in Chinatown in New York. And yes, you're like dedicating time and like, you know, stomach space to that person. <laughs> but if you are trusting them to do that based on their <laughs> personality and I mean, you're doing such a good job, Mark, um, like their personality and their <laughs> re- reviews, then I think that you, you can, you can take that risk it's a risk but you take that risk when you go on any tour when you right. pick any airbnb when you pick a hotel based on our recommendations i think you just have to kind of like do a gut check on who's telling you that information
2: i want mark, mark. to say what he's gonna say and then i have one quick thing to interject Mark, <laughs> unless go. you forgot what it is you're gonna say which probably didn't happen <laughs> love you so much though <laughs> you just keep
1: dragging it out go The best way to test a guide is to ask them. They are selling a service. Don't worry about other people's reviews. Don't say, am I confident? Do I want to ask them? Say to them, I could take any trip in this city. Why should I take yours? Don't say, "What you know, Make go ahead, make my day. This is not that confrontational, but they're selling a service. Make them sell it a bit harder. Say, I want to know. I'm juggling between two tours, why should I take yours? If they don't reply, you have your answer, take the other one. If they do reply in a generic platitude that they have stored in their drafts, which is, we're a unique special revolutionary disruptive tour. (laughs) Don't
2: say the word disruptive
1: ever. I'm over it. I'm so over it. Oh, press release. Or they say, you know what I really love is, you know, I've only lived here for two years, but I moved here because I love the food. I'm going to take you to literally my favorite bakery where I go every morning. I hope you love it because I truly love it. You've got your answer. So I think we in a world of reviews and online reviews, we feel almost disempowered to push back. And if you were on the phone to book it before you booked it, you'd say, hey. I want to know a bit more. Do not assume that the information they've provided is all they will. They won't give you a free tour that you can then go away and leave on your own. But make them sell it a bit harder. It's what I would do every time I book a tour. Do you feel like the
0: environment of, of Airbnb contributes to what you were just talking about, Mark, where some Airbnbs you can just sort of book right away? they have the instant book feature and then others the host has to approve you you know for the <laughs> for the like- booking right do you feel like that kind of context has swung it toward the service provider giving you permission to come on their tour?
1: Yeah, exactly. And you're you're paying. I mean I would I love Urban Adventures, which is a it's like an Etsy platform for tour for tours. Wow. So you you can they're independent operators. It's under the Intrepid Travel sort of giant umbrella. But if you want to go into more uh far flung places, uh you'll find a little bit detail on that in a story that I did on the side about slum tourism i love that platform because it is very much a very eclectic almost unpoliced and in some ways i prefer that because what i want is people who are still selling they need me to come tell me why i should come so urbanadventures.com is a great platform i think for outside europe i would say wait
2: i just want to say one really quick thing i think that probably all the listeners on here know that i have serious differences with the way i book things Between Brad and I, and I will just say I hate doing research on restaurants before I go to a place because every single time I've done that, it's been like months of foreplay leading up to this trip of like the best pasta that I'm literally never gonna have again in my life. And sometimes I get to these restaurants. I've done it in like Paris, and Barcelona, and Madrid, where it's like the one of the centerpieces of my trip when I'm planning it and I'm you know and I'm going. And so often, I've actually had a better time on the tours when I had no idea where the fuck they were going to take me than these restaurants that were supposed to be these, like, seminal moments of my trip. I don't know what that says about me or about the food, but I love the surprise, and I love that I think I've gotten, you know, guides who have taken me to places that they really love, and it just felt much more serendipitous, and I was with a group of strangers, and, like, you know, it was just so much fun, and I think it was... Part and parcel of the whole experience, but I've had much better culinary experiences that I r- solidly remember being on tours than actually doing the restaurant research
0: and going there. It goes back to what we were talking about last week, which is that the um, pleasure of the experience correlates to a, right. b- a bunch of different things. Totally. It's all contextual, right? Yeah. So it, it's who you're with. It's the I do think serendipity plays a role in your enjoyment of the experience. Totally. You know, when it's unexpected and it's happy. That's better than if it's planned and it's happy.
2: Yeah, I I think so, so. But even sometimes, literally, it's also just comes down to, like, the quality of food, the creativity of it, just the general experience. I can go to one really fancy restaurant someplace for the same price that I can purchase a food tour where I go to nine places for less money.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I, no,
2: I, t- I think you're totally right that it depends on a variety of factors, but... Sometimes I just prefer that if we're talking about exploring the food scene of
3: someplace that's my preference. I'm going to like throw like a wrench in this and go back to what Mark was saying (laughs) just real fast because you brought up a company that I think is really important for us to mention, which is Intrepid, which is a small group tour company that runs multi-day tours. They provided a lot of information to us for the women who travel package that we did earlier this year, talking about, you know, solo women traveling and adventure travel. And if you're looking for kind of a Planned trip that you can trust, kind of with your life. Whether you're climbing Kilimanjaro or just like wandering around Albania, you're gonna <laughs> kind of get a good experience. That's gonna be yes, Chinese just, food just, in Montana. <laughs> yes. These are the that countries is, that are coming up. Creative. Um, no, but I think that we've found them to be, you know, as traveler, a really great resource uh, for our own travel research, and and I think they would probably be. If you're looking for something more than just a day trip or a couple days, if you want to go 12 days, 15 days, they're a pretty good place to check out. Uh, Go on
0: birthright? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Another one that we've worked with a lot is context travel Mm -hmm. that has uh, done, sort of fulfilled a similar role. And I'm wondering if there's a way to talk a little bit about, it seems to me that there are groups like this that serve as kind of general contractors. You kind of hire that group and then they work with sort of micro specialists who are helping set you up with specific experiences. Interesting. In I mean, I market. think
3: that's what our travel specialists, you know, we have a whole page of travel specialists that we trust that our team vets every year. And
0: CNTraveler.com slash travel specialists. There we
3: go. But I think if you're looking to plan a trip, you know, they're the people to go to. They can plan tours and things like that. But I think that they aren't tour guides. You know, the travel specialists, their job is to set you up with the best trip, and they will connect you with tour guides. But they themselves are not going to be on the ground with you. They're kind of like planners, well, right? and,
0: but I but I think that's important because if you look at a lot of this, and like in my own experience with this, those local guides, which is kind of what we're talking about, one way or another, I think the point that fits with all of this is, you need a mediator, mm-hmm. right? So maybe that mediator is Viator. Maybe that mediator is Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Maybe that mediator is one of these travel specialists who can connect you because it's a lot of people and they tend to be highly specialized. And so and the, the, this is sorry, Mark. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: What I would encourage, and I think this is—you made a great point, both of you—about about tours. I think that what they can give you is super specialization. I'm in London this week for frees and the world's best bartender. So I have art and booze together, which is my favorite thing. But for example, the art world is very closed. But if you sign up for a liminal space tour in London, Sarah Douglas will take you to artist studios and galleries that you couldn't access or didn't know you were there. If you're in Venice, Eric Bagan will take you on art tours to hidden churches that you didn't realize were next to the church you always go into my friend Arthur Duncan works across Europe and if you want to go into the Sistine Chapel before anyone is there Arthur can click his fingers tap his toes together and bam it happens.
2: I'll believe it when I see it I don't know know, man I don't know I I had 36 seconds in the Sistine Chapel it was like the worst consummated group tour i've ever had it was terrible i will
1: tell you that arthur is is a premium tour guide but if you are willing to pay for the access to the sistine chapel or if you want to see the pope up close arthur can help make that happen and so i think if you've got really really niche interests it's a great deep dive i would always push people to hire guides for very very specific reasons whether it's food or art or cocktails Rather than the, hey, tell me about London, it's, I want to see Jewish London. I want to see cocktail London. I want to see the galleries in London. Something very, very specialised. And then you'll get an awful lot out of it. The tighter the brief on a tour that's being promised the more you will get out of
2: it. I also yeah. agree that the Pope is a niche interest. No.
1: <laughs> I, I just, but I, I want to go back again
0: to kind of like our theme here, which is how do you find these people and how yes. do you vet them? No. And I think like, again, you know, I completely agree with you, Mark, and I think that's ultimately where you want to end up. The place you want to end up is that super specific experience, but I guess the point I'm making is just that, one way or another, you need a way into that super specific experience for two reasons. One, you don't know all the things and all the companies that exist and all the individuals that exist that can actually deliver those specific experiences to you, and you know, you can Google, you know, Cocktail London, and you'll get a lot of things that then you have to wade through. But you also need somebody to do quality control on those things. And and again, if it, it might be fellow travelers in the case of Viator or Airbnb. It might be Airbnb in the case of Airbnb. But I also think these travel specialists that we're talking about are a really great way into that. You find somebody who's working at that higher up level who can then turn around and connect you with those local guides. It also, similarly to Viator and Airbnb, provides a logistical simplification that's really useful. So if you go to a company like Off the Beaten Path, where we went when we were doing our tour of the national parks, you know, they were not the people who were providing the crazy four by four access that we got to Canyonlands, or the guide that walked us around the hiking paths on in Mount Zion, or you know, the Grand Canyon, but they were the people who had vetted those ultimate service providers. And they were the ones who sort of provided the simplification of like, one stop shop, pay those guys, and then they take care of everything else. And they tell you how much to tip the guides and all of those other things. And I think that that is something not to forget is in the app world, in the in the in the internet world, where you have all these things that sometimes those humans that you can connect to and you can have really long conversations with and talk to about your specific needs, your interests, totally. you know the things that you're into, and then they can turn around and say like, I know a guy, or I know a, a person who can do that thing. But I for think you. to your
2: point, besides our page of aggregated travel specialists, it's kind of like. I wish there were a master doc of like. I mean, I you think that's, when,
3: that's what. That's we I think that's what I, that's what our yeah. list is. No, is that's that fair. you know? Last year, we if you are a recent listener, you can you know head on back on SoundCloud or iTunes and check it out. But we did a podcast last year about kind of like when you need a travel specialist because there are some places where that is super necessary. But there also are places like London where yeah, you don't have to have a travel specialist right. to plan your trip you can to just London. Kind of wing it. But if you don't want to wing it then yeah. you know, there are travel specialists that, you know, are there for you. I think, you know, we have everything from cruises to specific places to like political travel. If you really want to know about history cool. you know, go to that page that Brad mentioned, CNtraveler.com travel dash specialist yes. i
2: will say if you go to israel and you don't have a tour guide like hit me up i want to hear about how that went
3: <laughs> that's that's like real rough
2: well I don't this
1: know. is i would love to hear i would love to hear listeners experiences of good and bad with tour guides you know did they feel like sardines in a can being shunted around the most heartbreaking thing to me was standing in italy with an old lady who spoke very poor English, with one cigarette in one hand, one cigarette in the other. Was it me
2: or? <laughs> no, okay. No,
1: Betsy. <laughs> you in seventy years, maybe. But you know, an old lady kind of phoning it in, standing in outside the Uffizi, being like Michelangelo, and it was heartbreaking because she sucked any joy out of this amazing experience. <laughs> so I'm curious about listeners' experiences. Have you had terrible guides? Did you feed back to them? Did you tell them it was bad? Like, oh, wait, can I – can I, can I, can I,
0: I, have, I have a quick answer for that and maybe a prompt for listeners. Um, we were just in Greece. We were on Santorini and went to a winery to do a winery tour, you know, to see the vines and everything, which are actually really interesting the first thing the guide told us was how much she hated santorini she was from thessaloniki And uh, what a bunch of jerks, everybody who lived on and worked on Santorini. Leave the tour immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Come a long way for that tour. (laughs) By the way, the vines twist around. They're really cool. Like we (laughs) wanted to see them. (laughs) And we'd already paid our 15 bucks. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think wrong thing, you know, to start with, right? Like you're really unhappy with your job. Um, In the app space, again, back to that. There are also lots of self-guided tours and one that I keeps coming up for me that I'm kind of curious about is detour where you can you, you mentioned earlier audio tours and it's an app that will sort of like uh, has amassed a bunch of audio tours which is a thing that from time to time I actually like mm-hmm. to do in museums for example yeah um, I find that a really nice way to kind of like take my time be on my schedule but still learn a lot. Also I am shy so I can put on the headphones and not interface <laughs> but the I'm, I'm curious if you guys have ever done, any of the detours or any of those other self-guided tours?
2: I have not, but I will say that, so for example, I was at the Barnes Museum in Philadelphia this past weekend. And if you've ever been there, you know that it's kind of set up like someone's house. So there are no labels on the artwork. There are hundreds and hundreds of pieces of artwork. So you don't know what the title of anything is. You don't know what the story behind anything is. They have these like, kind of sad little pamphlets in every room that show you which painting is where and who the artist is and what the title is, but there's no actual description. And it was at that point actually on Saturday that I was like, shit, I really wish I had downloaded kind of like an audio guide to this because I'm looking at all these beautiful impressionist paintings and I really have no idea the history of this collection, of this person, of all this artwork. And it made me a little sad. So yeah, I might convert possibly.
3: I have not done a detour Tour, but I know that there are people on our staff who have and who have loved it, and I think the the benefit to that is if you're a podcast person or think you could be a podcast person, I think <laughs> this is probably for you. Um, if you're listening to if this, you're listening to this, you're then probably you're a podcast person. Ch- person. Uh, we we podcast. We hope <laughs> we may chase
0: you away, but you're you at least gave it a shot.
3: No, but it's 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 a location based tour that kind of syncs up to your phone's GPS so if you and a friend you know you're taking your sweet time and you're both in a museum or you're both wandering around a park or you know taking a you know street art tour I don't know Um, you know if they're two blocks ahead of you and you guys are just kind of like wandering around you know their tour will be Farther ahead than yours, and you actually get kind of a real-time, actually active audio tour, which huh. I think is different from just like, okay, now walk to this place, and like then it pauses for you to like wander right. yourself over there. Right. I think it's it's kind of this great mix of, you know, they give you lots of information. It's kind of a little this American lifey, and then it gives you a lot of stories. Um, it's not just like this specific thing happened oh, here. Oh, like my worst thing um, You know, it's not something. It's it's really it's not kind of like a step by step thing it's it is as interactive as a guide as you can get without being able to ask it a question yeah um, it's not like Mr. Rogers it's, no. it's American life okay good yeah and, and it's in a bunch of cities and they you know again have specific walks so you know if you want to do an art tour you want to do a gallery tour you want to look at street art you want to do that specific thing it's, it's very a way localized to that. like yes. it's very it's
0: hyper localized mm-hmm. so and it'll be down to and it knows where you are so one of the things that I like about it, it's been doing this to me for the last couple months since I downloaded And I haven't taken advantage of it yet, which is why I was asking you guys, but I am super curious. Mostly it's just I'm too busy, but the idea, it'll sort of suggest to me like I'm on the Lower East Side. So it'll say like, here are some tours that you can take on the, and they seem really fascinating. And if I had the time and could sort of like eject myself from my life for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, (laughs) I would love to do that. It's on your own time but with a lot of context. The idea to me, you know, you mentioned This American Life and I'm, I'm a podcast nerd, obviously. So the idea of being able to walk around like a micro-neighborhood or, or a, a specific attraction and have somebody just kind of talking to me about what it is in a thoughtful way and I can go at my own pace and I can really kind of stop, start, do whatever investigation I want to do. That seems kind of lovely. That really seems totally. like a delightful thing.
3: I think if you aren't a constrained tour person, it is a good, alter- and you don't have, you know, the funds or time or whatever to get a, personal tour guide. Um, I think it's a great alternative to kind of like do things on your own time exactly like you said and not have to be reliant on anyone else or anyone else's time to be able to get what you want done. I think that if you are in a city for a short amount of time it's a great way to hop in and hop out without having to invest a lot of pre-planning or money into your experience. I think the tours are you know about five dollars oh, okay i was gonna say that was my next question is it free I, no
1: may, may i just have as a former tour guide may i just remind everyone <laughs> if you are having a, a normal a regular human tour guide please do tip them um always it's offered- if a good t- if a good guide makes you feel like they're your friend, that's their goal. But at the end of an hour together, it has been work for them and not for you. So please don't forget the number of times I had people sort of forget after a week of servicing their every need at any time of day or night Ooh, that Mark, they- let's oh, keep it PG, dampers. please. Um, no, but I just I would encourage you to remember that a good guide will make you feel like you're walking around with a friend, but. They're not a friend. It's their job. So please don't forget that every little tip will help, if it's been great, if it's been great. Totally.
0: Well, that's a great place to stop. Thanks to all of you guys for coming on and talking about this stuff. That's terrific. Thanks to all of you for listening. Do subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. And for those specialists, again, just to put it out there, cntraveler.com slash travel dash specialists Um, and you can get a list of that kind of like uh you know general contractor layer of these kinds of people they are really terrific the apps that we've talked about here just to recap viator airbnb detour is there anything i'm forgetting intrepid intrepid travel context travel urban urban adventures. adventures um, and join m-
2: us on next week's podcast to hear me talk about Viator again. <laughs> Just kidding. Not, not, <laughs> not, true, not true,
3: listeners.
0: Not I don't true. even know if that's true. Um, we are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube. We are at CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Please do tweet at us. Uh, people have been doing that increasingly. It's really great. The idea for this podcast today came from tweets that we were getting. Send us feedback and review us on iTunes. Meredith, Where can people get in touch with you on the social medias?
3: I have, like, one little soapbox rant I'm going to make up oh, make right it. now, okay, which it. is that people tweet at Mark and Brad all the time. Mm-hmm. And the fun fact is that I actually decide what happens on these podcasts. So if you want your topic featured, tweet me at oh hey there mayor oh, M-E-R-E.
1: Snap, because, that was a naked power grab. Because yeah. I yeah. feel
3: incredibly <laughs> left out of these decisions that are being made on Twitter, and I have to be tagged by one of these uh, friendly people over here and I would just love if you would come straight to the source because the odds of you getting what you want are probably higher Wow Uh, Soapbox done Just
0: just putting it out there Meredith is in charge
1: I think is what she was trying to say It's above my pay grade, really. Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, I just show up and talk into the mic. <laughs> Meredith decides what actually
1: I say. I mean,
3: there's it's like a her little, hand is on the back true. of my shirt. It's a little true.
1: And, so maybe. and, and, and keep she's it, just, PG. Um... keep it PG. But
3: yeah, yeah. oh, hey there, Mayor. Me up. You can find oh, hey there, me there. Mayor.
0: You also have one of the best handles ever. Oh, thank you, thank so. you. It
2: is very oh, good. Oh, hey there, Mare. I got mine from an AOL chat room that I was not supposed to be in. <laughs> so. um, it's B Blumenthal070. Copped that 070 from a rando in a chat room. I, I still like it. And you can find me there. I mostly spam Instagram photos to my like one or two hundred followers and nobody follows me um so follow me or you can follow me on twitter God. and every four months you can see some kind of like random social commentary and then i'll disappear again
0: i like think to, you, you're like talking like somebody who needs an intervention <laughs> like a social media intervention i to have to pull you into a room get everybody around you, you listen when i go
2: on trips i Send come back betsy and, yeah.
1: hug emojis Please, <laughs> I, is there a, a hug, hug emoji i don't know mark oh, i want okay. <laughs> i want to give a special shout out to at melis calx or, or honeystone who was the listener who suggested this idea to us who said podcast idea how do you hire or find a local guy when traveling internationally i'm really curious so thank you again at melis we love that and yes you can tweet at meredith and forget me and brad we just do whatever she tells us uh if you tweet at me i'm at mark j elwood with two l's and mark with the k
0: i'm at Bradrick. thanks for tuning in have a great weekend everyone